Section 14 of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 10 Revolt of the Saxons. Beginning of the strife between Henry IV and Gregory VII. 1073 to 1076. Part 1. Ever since Henry began to reign, Saxony had been a source of anxiety the people were hardy and fierce they thought that they had been harshly treated by henry the third and they were soon profoundly discontented with the rule of his son henry had built castles to overawe them but the cruelty and licentiousness of the soldiers who occupied them only exasperated the native peasantry to fury while the saxon nobles were extremely jealous of the king's partiality for schwabians and indignant at his holding the duchy of saxony in his own hands and keeping magnus the heir of the late duke ordulf in confinement rightly or wrongly they imagined that an expedition announced by henry to be undertaken in the summer of ten seventy three against the poles would be turned against saxony and that the whole country would be enslaved and handed over to the occupation of schwabians nobles and prelates discussed their wrongs in secret cabals the archbishop of magdeburg the bishops of halberstadt and hildesheim otto the deposed duke of bavaria and the margrave dedi were the chief leaders of sedition but the archbishops of bremen and the bishops of osnabrück and zeitz adhered to the king on the very day on which hildebrand was being consecrated pope june twenty ninth the malcontents held a conference at the close of which they sent messengers to the king at goslar informing him that they could not join the expedition to poland demanding the demolition of the saxon castles and the restitution of lands which he had violently seized the dismissal of his evil counsellors who were ruining him and his kingdom the removal of the concubines by which his court was defiled and the restoration of his wife to her proper position if he did these things they would serve him faithfully but if not they would fight to the last gasp for the church for the faith and for their own freedom and honour the king consulted with his friends who recommended a harsh reply not unlike that suggested by the evil counsellors of rehoboam on august ninth henry threw himself into the strong castle of the hartsburg the saxon insurgents closely blockaded it but the king escaped by night and after four days hard travelling through the forests southwards arrived almost famished at the monastery of hirschfeld here his friends rallied round him including some of the nobles who had been summoned to the expedition against poland henry fell at their feet and passionately entreated them to be faithful to him many were moved to tears and pledged themselves to stand by him but for a time no definite plan of action was devised the king remained at hersfeld and during his sojourn there dispatched the penitent and submissive letter to the pope to which reference has already been made the saxons meanwhile aided by the thuringians laid vigorous siege to the king's castles and by the end of august many of them were taken the king was alarmed and anxious to make terms siegfried of mainz at his request met the insurgent leaders at corbey and arranged that a conference should be held at gerstungen on october twentieth 
on condition that the Saxons abstained in the interval from attacking the castles. On the day appointed, the Saxon leaders came with 14,000 armed followers. The king was represented by the archbishops of Mainz and Köln, the bishops of Metz and Bamberg, the dukes Rudolf of Schwabia and Berthold of Carinthia. Henry himself awaited the issue at Würzburg. The Saxons recounted their tale of wrongs, dwelling especially upon the gross licentiousness of the king's habits when he resided in their country. The assembly heard their statements with horror, and after three days' deliberation, it was resolved to depose the king and make a new election. But the choice was to be left to a larger assembly to be held at Christmas, and the resolution was not publicly announced. Henry moved to Regensberg, where he spent All Saints' Day, and thence to Nuremberg. Whilst he was there, strange tales were circulated by a man named Reginger that he had been bribed by the king to assassinate the dukes Rudolf and Berthold, and although Henry indignantly denied the charge, offering to prove his innocence in single combat, the nobles became suspicious and held aloof from court. The situation of the king became pitiably forlorn. He fell very ill, and his enemies began to hope that his death would end their troubles. But early in December he recovered and visited Worms, where he was warmly welcomed by the people, and on the other hand an attempt made by the Archbishop of Mainz to convene a council for the election of a new king was a total failure. Christmas was spent at Worms, but without splendor, for Henry had but little money and few companions. Gregory, meanwhile, wrote a letter, December 20th, to the Archbishop of Magdeburg and the other leaders of the revolt, declaring his will that both sides should lay down their arms until the arrival of his legate, who would investigate the causes of strife. Henry, however, had resolved, probably before the Pope wrote, to try and relieve his besieged garrisons in Saxony. He mustered a force with difficulty, and on January 1074 set out from Worms. The cold was intense, and the sufferings of his army were terrible. No battle took place, but nearly two months were consumed in conferences with the insurgents, who adhered firmly to their old conditions, the destruction of the castles, the reformation of the king's conduct, and respect for the rights and liberties of his people. For some time Henry strove to parry their proposals, but at last he gave way and accepted their terms. Even then he was so tardy in action that the Saxons surrounded the palace at Goslar with an armed force and threatened him with deposition if he did not keep his word. The Archbishop of Bremen and other friends besought him to yield, and at last he issued his orders for the demolition of the castles. He retired to Worms in an irritable frame of mind, and irritation was presently inflamed to rage by the tidings that three days after his departure from Saxony a mob of peasants had burnt the great church which he had built near the Harzburg, ransacked the tombs of his son and brother, upset the altars, and disturbed the relics of the saints which lay beneath. 1074. The Saxon nobles sent messengers to the king, solemnly asserting their innocence of these outrages, but they could not pacify his fury. Since human force and law did not avail him in the contest, he would now send to Rome and invoke divine assistance against his sacrilegious enemies. 
the papal legates who had been dispatched from rome in march met the king as we have seen at nuremberg about easter and his submissive demeanour to them would be quite accounted for by his anxiety to secure the aid of the pope in his struggle with the saxons how henry's cause was represented by them at rome or by his own messengers whom he is said to have sent we do not know but gregory did not excommunicate the saxons as the king had hoped on the other hand the sympathy of the nobles began to revert to henry after the outrage at goslar many returned to court declared themselves ready to help him in punishing the saxons and were taken back into favour the summer of ten seventy four was mainly occupied by an abortive expedition into hungary to aid henry's brother-in-law king Charlemagne against an attack made by his own cousins in conjunction with the poles the country was laid so utterly waste by the enemy that henry could not get supplies for his army and was forced to retreat he spent christmas at strasbourg where he gradually got together a great army with which he set out for saxony in the spring of ten seventy five in june the saxons were totally defeated in the great battle by the river unstrut in thuringia though the king's side also suffered heavy loss henry tried to give the war a religious complexion siegfried of mainz pronounced the enemy excommunicate and affected to have a commission from the pope but when or how obtained it would be hard to say in july the army was disbanded for want of supplies but reassembled again at gerstungen in october on the twenty second a conference was opened there between the saxon leaders and some representatives of the king foremost among whom was godfrey of lotharingia godfrey was hunchbacked and little of stature but he far surpassed all the other nobles in wisdom and eloquence as well as in the abundance of his wealth and the excellence of his troops he was the pivot upon which everything turned and his influence at length induced the saxons to surrender on october twenty sixth ten seventy five henry received their formal unqualified submission the principal leaders were handed over to the custody of his friends and their lands allotted to his followers who had distinguished themselves in the war the hartsburg and other castles were rebuilt and saxony soon wore the aspect of a conquered province End of section fourteen